got a little time. We've got a little podcast. It's Short Story Short Podcast. I'm Chris, here with... Christy Baxter. And Christy, what story are we doing today? We are doing A City of Churches by a man whose name I'm about to mispronounce probably. Donald Bartolome? I think it's Bartolome. It could be Bartolome, but Bartolome seems more epic. I guess. Yeah, it it has a a sort of renaissance feel. This is a story that is beautifully constructed to leave me feeling completely confused. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I like that about it. Yeah, it has this sensation to it that it doesn't want to give you much. It asks a lot of you. And in a lot of times that will just completely turn me off. But here I think it's actually the compact nature of the story that makes it feel like a John Sayles film. Like it is open at the end to the point where it expects a lot of me and I am willing to put in that energy. Yeah, I think that might've been what first grabbed me about it is the fact that it, I don't know if it necessarily is expecting the reader to do a lot of work or letting the reader do a lot of work, but it's not... It's, I think it's a necessity because of, you know, how it is sort of about these big ideas like religion and independence and community or, you know, what is a good community versus a bad community. And I think it has to be that way in order to not be too heavy handed and thus turn the reader off. Yeah. And it's not at all heavy handed, which is what I really like about it. And again, depending on the mindset that you bring to it depends on how you view the reality of the situation. Because I went into it thinking it was a concrete reality. And the further I read into it, the less I believed it was something that was actually happening, that it was more of a surrealist interpretation of something that could happen. Yeah, Bartholomew starts by sort of grounding you in these very specific ideas, right in the first paragraph, listing all these different churches, the First Christian Science, the Church of God, All Souls, Our Lady of Victory, et cetera, et cetera. Those are only four of like 12 or 15. And then explaining the, the way the city looks with all these different churches. And so you have those that bit of reality to ground you before he just sort of pushes you right off the ledge into free-floating fantasy, sort of, Mm -hmm. I think, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. It has that tang of magical realism without there being any magic. (laughs) Yeah, any, any magic that we almost certainly any magic the dreams that that cecilia discusses that she mentions i feel like that's one of those things that could go either way the way that she says it you don't quite know whether she or at least i don't quite know whether she's saying that she just wills herself to dream certain things and that's it she just lays down in bed says i'm going to dream about paris and she dreams about paris or if she's making her dreams reality just by thinking them i don't know Yeah, and it's so, again, this is the wonderful thing that the best authors that we've talked about have done is the butting up against one another of the concrete banal and the extraordinary. Uh, My, you know, car wants to be our car rental girl. Uh, 
versus this ability to dream and potentially make her dreams come true or it's just sort of this strange which of course brings up the question is she dreaming of being the car rental girl and now she is becoming it in this strange city of real of reality that doesn't make much sense because the the grounding theory that really blows my mind is that there is a city that is nothing but churches that's so weird to me. And yet at the same time, living in a mountain town uh, in the mountains here, there are churches everywhere. And half of the buildings at one time or another were a church or initially built as a church. Mm -hmm. And that sort of butting up against one another really, really got me. And maybe it was just that I was reading it here, not there. <laughs> For me, it's actually, it's something along similar lines but my question that I walk away with, one of the questions I walk away with, is the city of churches. If she's there, and if she does in fact will her dreams into reality, did she not only will herself into being the car rental girl, but also will the city of churches that she doesn't seem to fit into, but seems about to maybe make fit to her into reality? That's an interesting, that's an interesting question. And is then the sort of implication of that, that what she wants more than anything is to have a religious identity. And is the fact that she is willing a city of churches ultimately a reaction to the fact that she has no faith or at least appears not to? I think that's a very strong possibility. And it could also be to extend that, that she has no religious identity because she hasn't found one that lets her be herself that that doesn't shame her for like things like sexual dreams that she says she has I mean most of her dreams are sexual she says and you know that doesn't really fit into too many religions so it might be you know this dream could just be her quest to find that that's a that's a really good point I, I I'm really only thinking of it now as we're talking <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we do the podcast. <laughs> yes, but it's funny because my notes are so sparse and then I'll, I'll come in here and we'll start talking and then I'm like, oh, I can build off of that and build off of that and build off of that. And it just becomes so much different than what I had in my notes. Oh, you make notes. How quaint. It's uh, like four <laughs> bullet points and they're barely <laughs> half thoughts. <laughs> now, one of the things here is the language that uh, Bartholomew uses here it's, he's a very concrete writer, but what he is doing is, I think, he's using a minimalist approach to give you that freedom of space, where you have to sort of fill in little aspects. And in particular, I think that the way that he will cram together snippets of dialogue uh, into a single paragraph, where it goes back and forth, is actually a really effective way of sort of stripping away all the unnecessary things. And I think... Also, those details that he gives, just the, the few details that ground you, stuff like the church that's also a barber shop, they're very vivid. I mean, that's a very vivid choice of business to put in the church because you have that automatic association that, that he name checks of the red and white barber pole. Mm. And, you know, the, the belfry apartments uh, is another great little aspect which again, th then there becomes a strangeness that, you know, the idea that she wants to be alone, uh, she wants to have her own space, but no one else there wants that. And so if she's dreaming of making it her own reality, why would she want to be alone in a world where there is an expansive 
togetherness, I guess, which ultimately is what a church could easily represent. And then you again force feedback loop back yourself <laughs> is is this real or not <laughs> exactly i think this this story is very much a, a sort of uh oral oral the, the snake eating itself where you just you're going in circles trying to try, figure it out and i that's one of the beauties of it because i think he in that way that he leaves it sort of vague but concrete concrete sort of banal but extraordinary he does allow the reader to walk away with whatever they want or need to get from it mm -hmm. and ultimately one of the things that i find amazing about this is this is a story from the 19 the very early 1970s uh bartholomew uh wrote a lot of stuff in the 60s uh through the 70s into the 80s i think he passed away in 89 um but this is probably the most New Yorker story I have ever read. Because um, I was just going through it and like halfway through, I'm like, yeah, this is from the New Yorker. I'm reading it on GitHub, but this is obviously a New Yorker story. And because it has that, that sort of, I don't want to say pretentiousness, but it is literary at the same time as being, I don't want to say nebulous, but uh, undefined. There's a non-definition that I think New Yorker stories, particularly of the 1970s and early 80s, had in spades. That, that not a great concrete story <laughs> publication at that point. Yeah, I think that's that's one thing they did very well. I'm also looking at snippets of, of dialogue and thinking that many of them could be placed under a New Yorker cartoon as a caption, and it would be very entertaining. <laughs> now I'm going to have to do that. Or even better, I might have to do that with Family Circus. Take family circus and then a little, <laughs> gets a little dark. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, family circus really turned a corner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, this I think is a phenomenal story. One of the most interesting ones. And one of the ones that I, this is the first one I can think of that I had not encountered. And yet at the same time, I felt like I had. Uh, I know I'd read some other Bartolome, uh, and I'm trying to think of the one that to this, like when you first mentioned we were going to be doing this one, so like, I know I've read some other Bartolome, uh, largely because I, battled over how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so any closing thoughts? Hmm. Well, one thing you brought up was the time period that this was written in, in the early 70s. And I think that one of the hearts of this story is conformity versus non-conformity and the sort of battle there between mm. which will win. And I think Bartholomew was really drawing on the elements of the 60s and 70s that were like that, you know, that, that were, were non-conformity rose in popularity in a way that it almost became conformity as it's just natural to happen it's a natural progression and so yeah i think he was really drawing on that feeling of the time period because cecilia is at heart a non-conformist in a city of absolute conformists and the question you walk away with is will they bend her mm, that is an excellent point you know, if this had been written in 1982 instead of 1972, I'd have said this is a postmodernist story. Um, so now it's a pre-postmodernist story, which just makes it modernist, which is really awkward. Yeah, uh, a little bit. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, Christy, what are we going to do next week? Next week, we will be reading If You Were a Dinosaur, My Love by Rachel Swirsky. Yes. So this has been Short Story. 
short podcast. I'll dream, she said. Things you won't like. We are discontented, said Mr. Phillips. Terribly, terribly discontented. Something is wrong. I'll dream the secret, she said. You'll be sorry. We are like other towns, except that we are perfect, he said. Our discontent can only be held in check by perfection. We need a car rental girl. Someone must stand behind that counter. I'll dream the life you are most afraid of, Cecilia threatened. You are ours, he said, gripping her arm. Our car rental girl. Be nice. There is nothing you can do. Wait and see, Cecilia said.